So getting that message of like, you know, not really being lovable or safe um, led me, you know, throughout life, there were a lot of different challenges and things and losing all of those people um, I had mentioned. I didn't realize that I, I really was blue all the time. I, I spent most of my life constantly low grade like depression. And, uh, you know, in the last four years or so, I really woke up and like realized that. And I've always been enthusiastic and passionate about life, but I would wake up feeling blue and no one else really saw it. Mm. So that led me to seek help. And I joined groups like Adult Children of Alcoholics and Addicts, which is a support group that's free to anybody that truly helped me with my family dynamic and dysfunctional coping mechanisms and things like that things that were impacting work, um, I would dissociate and kind of um, dip out mentally with um, like authority figures, even when I was the authority figure, um, you know, firing people in HR and things like that, I would dissociate. So I really had a reason to heal that and work through it. Welcome to Authentic Conversations with Ryan James Miller. Join Ryan as he speaks with top business leaders and influencers and hear how they've mastered the art of authenticity to achieve all that they dreamed of. As you hear from these leaders, seek not only to be inspired by their authenticity, but to strive for and master your own. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the podcast. Uh, so uh, we are taking an interesting turn uh, of some sort uh, for anybody that's been listening to the podcast for any period of time, six months, a year, two years. Uh, you know, I've always strived to identify um, people that were uh, uh, striving for excellence, that were pursuing success, but really trying to understand the inner workings of those things within their own personal and professional development. And I feel like we've had a lot of great conversations, produced a lot of great episodes, but just recently, especially as the podcast has been rebranded as Authentic Conversations, I'm really wanting to strive more to dig into people. Um, as I talk about authenticity, I really want to help other people, not just hear stories of authenticity, and we're gonna hear plenty of that today, but I really want to give you the permission through hearing other people share, giving you the permission to do the same thing for yourself. So first up in the lineup, and I'm not sure how these will end up uh, getting produced because we batch a lot of our podcasts, uh, but is an amazing woman that I was introduced to just recently on LinkedIn. I gained a lot of connections that way. Uh, and so uh, JC was introduced to me. She works in the HR world, which we're going to dig into. We're going to talk a lot about, but far more importantly than that, she just has a fascinating story uh, of a lot of high and a lot of low. And so we will weave through that the best way that we can. But for now, JC, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ryan. It's a pleasure to meet you and to be a guest on your podcast and being on. Okay. So um, you uh, uh, immediately just come across as somebody that is extremely well put together and super professional. You carry yourself well online. Um, and yet I know from the very brief time that, uh, that we got a chance to talk offline previous to this, you bear the weight of a lot of life experience, uh, which is also really interesting because uh, you look extremely young. And so some people may look at you and say, gosh, you know, you just started living your life. Uh, but I know that's not the case. And so um, why don't you share a little bit about kind of the backstory of you getting into the professional world and, and just starting to experience that life? Um, actually, you know what? I take that back. I haven't done this very often. But when I say that to you, what, how does that land on you? When I say you look like you've got it all put together, you're very professional looking, you carry yourself very well. So what's your response to that? Uh, I get it often. Uh, I think I've been dubbed like this trendy HR girl. And <laughs> again, girl, like I'm almost director level. Um, so I've been in HR and I've done quite well. Um, the, I also, you know, I don't wear a lot of makeup in my day-to-day -day life. I got more ready for this podcast than I do on a date. And, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I often wear my workout clothes everywhere and I'm very much, you know, hair in a bun. And, you know, I care about how I look and feel, 
you know, I'm, I'm polished, but I don't put a lot of emphasis on material items or a lot of makeup and things. Um, I think they're enhancing, but I don't like the way people treat me when I walk around that way. Um, I don't like that silver spoon fed white girl, you know, oh, she has, must have this, this, and that. And it does happen quite often in every interaction um, on a daily basis. And I don't, that attention makes me uncomfortable, honestly. Um, and part of that is growth. You know, I should embrace who I am and how I look and things, but also there's so much more to me than a pretty face. And that also, I learned that lesson. Um, there was a period in my life where I was around 200 pounds and it was only for a year struggling with depression and, and other things like life. But that was often what people said to me of like, oh, you're not fat and you have such a pretty face. And it's like, but I have brains and like, there's a whole human behind this body. And like, you know, my body is so amazing and it's taken care of me through so many, you know, challenges. Um, and it's really about loving my body for what it is and not what it looks like. Um, so I'm 31. I turned 31 last year. Sorry, last week. <laughs> last year, I spent my 30th birthday celebrating without some of my closest friends. Um, I had two friends fighting for their life in the hospital, and one of them, unfortunately, is no longer with us. Wow, and um, one of them, you know, we're celebrating her birthday this week, and she doesn't remember last year's birthday. So it's really, I'm, I'm proud of my age, um, and I do feel like I've had many lives in a short time span. Yeah, no, I, I mean, first of all, you know, sorry for that which i know is just one of you know many very challenging things you've dealt with in life um and at the same time i really appreciate a lot of what you said and wrapped up in all of that is it bothers me so much that you have to qualify things that way like i, I totally get that right i understand and obviously uh, me being a man you being a woman we experiencing the, we experience a lot of those things differently and yet at the same time you know, I remember back in my, I don't know, mid to late 20s, I was definitely a very cocky human being at that time, but I was good at my job and I could hold my own with people twice my age in the professional world, but I was always having to qualify um, how I looked with my results, right? You know, like, well, let me just show you what I've done and now I can show you that I'm not as young as you think I am or something like that. So, I, so I, that definitely resonates with me. And something else that I think is so important and I really appreciate you saying is, you know, we definitely want to present well. We want to look professional. We want to carry ourselves well, um, whether it is at the grocery store or on a date or in the office, you know, we want to do that. But we need people to see that there is far more to who we are than what we look like. And I think in a day and age when more and more interaction and engagement is happening on line it's reducing the ability to get below that surface and so people create this judgment or preconceived notion and, and we never get a chance right to share with them who we really are mm -hmm. so so as you have i didn't see us going down this line yet but as as you have um it, as you've had to navigate that water of you know I, God forgive me for saying this, but I'm more than a, a pretty woman. Um, where do you feel like you have been able to make up really good ground in in being able to to prove to people that that you're more than that, though you shouldn't have to do that? And then maybe where has that caused you to further struggle in who you are? Because people will just continue to label you that regardless of what you say. Yeah. Um... I think that part of it is embracing it for, for what it is. Like, that's my life. And part of it is, you know, so many people have asked, like, especially moving to LA, I'll be honest, like when I network or make friends, like people just didn't trust that I didn't have an like ulterior motive. They're like, you're sure you don't want to get into modeling? You're sure you're not want to, you don't want to be behind the camera? Um, and it's like, no, like, I'm really just here to get to know you and who you are and, you know, just have fine quality people, which... I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't find in those networks, but um, I've been in LA for about five years now and really finding my people through breath work. And in that realm, you know, you can show up without makeup and stuff. Um, so that's been nice. I think I've definitely been, you know, objectified going on dates. Uh, I've been single in LA for a long time and that has been really where I've, you know, found difficulty mostly. 
and something that I just don't expose myself to anymore. Um, like, I'm not going to put myself out there with strangers, like, um, you know, strangers um, who you randomly meet. I usually go through like referrals and things like that. So that they're already vetted and I can, you know, kind of feel safe going on on those interactions. Um, as far as the workplace goes, I've definitely, um, you know, in past lives and different workplaces throughout my career have faced that, um, especially, um, you know, it's, it's everywhere, honestly, and the ageism and also being too attractive and also like men and women can be uncomfortable if you're too pretty and being in HR, like you really want people to feel comfortable coming to you. And I think that it's, you know, not about downplaying yourself. You should learn how to empower yourself and, and claim that and be who you are, but also in knowing things that you can do to make them feel more comfortable. Um, and, you know, being confident in your role and, and kind of commanding that respect and authority um, without the ego, but being grounded and rooted in who you are and knowing that you're confident um, and acknowledged in your career as a professional. And when you're not having those boundaries and not being afraid to have that voice and speak your truth, um, there's nothing wrong with telling someone like, you know, don't call me a workhorse. I've, I, some people think that that's a compliment. I do not like that. I'm not a workhorse. I get down and like, I have grit and perseverance and, you know, I'm in the trenches. I will absolutely show up on those eventful days, but there's so much more to me than that. I'm not just a transactional person. I'm a leader and I'm just maybe like, I'm not there yet is how it was when those things were said. Yeah. But that's how I saw myself. I just already want to be your friend. I just, everything you say, I just keep disagreeing with you. So we're just gonna have to hang out at some point, just, just because of everything you've said to this point. Um, so, okay. There was, there was so much that you said there that I think that people need to hang on to. So I appreciate, uh, particularly when you, uh, you know, spoke of, you know, the role that you sit in and wanting people to feel comfortable, but I think that it's important for us to always do our best uh, while holding on to our own integrity and 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 knowing the context to, to make people feel comfortable and, and again I, I feel as though you know lording over people with you know our intelligence or our knowledge on a certain subject specifically or our success or our looks has has become something of like just the thing to do, right? Like I, I know this better than you pat you on the head and go on your way. I mean, this was why, you know, millennials and now everybody after them have been beat up so badly all these years is it was just like, oh, you, you know, I, I've got the experience. I know better than you. You just go sit over there in the corner. I'm like, no idiot. You're the one that caused the problem. They're now just picking up all of your mess, you know? Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate that. So did, did this for you, this kind of mindset and perspective, is this something that you have always had? I mean, do you remember being a young kid in grade school and having this type of approach to life or did something shift along the way? Um, that is a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where do I even start? Um, I So even when I was younger, before I even had, so before I even had a choice, to kind of provoke this kind of attention, it was already there. I was already seen or, you know, getting attention. Um, and that was uncomfortable even then. <laughs> um, and being a kid, I, so a little bit of background with me. I grew up um, from the like age of 10 under, my parents were struggling with addiction. And there were a lot of unsafe environments. And I kind of got this message that I was unlovable and that I wasn't safe quite often. And then from 10 on, I had more of a stable living situation and I lived with my dad and he raised me as a single dad. And we had a lot of help along the way. And, you know, it took a village. Um, a lot of those people have since passed away um, who were, you know, key players in my life. But he was a very strong protector. And I'm so grateful for that. And he was a great example of what a kind, loving man should be. And I definitely had predators in my life. 
Um, and that comes from a DARE officer in my fifth grade class who was in the community and a community hero through high school. And I did, you know, fundraisers and community service and all kinds of things with him to build my resume. And then, you know, he really was a predator. And I'm fortunate that I was protected and nothing actually happened physically to me, but it certainly could have. And that developed into a kind of stalking. Um, that also happened with a martial arts instructor I had. And, you know, some of the other martial arts instructors who witnessed that have, you know, spoken out against it and had their own purpose and pathway with that as well. So these, these are things that really were constantly in my life, even when I didn't have a a choice, if you will, even when yeah. I couldn't be the victim or, you know, like bring it upon myself. Like I really didn't have control and I couldn't blame myself for that, which later on played out in my life in a big way a few years ago. Um, I don't know if we care to get into that. Yeah, you, you, you tee it up. So you just okay. keep going. I mean, I, I picked up on so many things that I want to get back to, but I don't want to lose this train of thought. So yeah, just, I, I mean, I, I really want to hear how this plays out for, yeah. you know, for you. So getting that message of like, you know, not really being lovable or safe um, led me, you know, throughout life, there were a lot of different challenges and things and losing all of those people um, I had mentioned. I didn't realize that I, I really was blue all the time. I, I spent most of my life constantly low grade like depression. Mm. And, uh, you know, in the last four years or so, I really woke up and like realized that. And I've always been enthusiastic and passionate about life but I would wake up feeling blue and no one else really saw it. Hmm. So that led me to seek help. And I joined groups like Adult Children of Alcoholics and Addicts, which is a support group that's free to anybody that truly helped me with my family dynamic and dysfunctional coping mechanisms and things like that. Things that were impacting work, um, I would dissociate and kind of um, dip out mentally with um, like authority figures, even when I was the authority figure, um, you know, firing people in HR and things like that, I would dissociate. So I really had a reason to heal that and work through it. And that's really where it became like step by step. So it was kind of constantly in my entire life, the overarching theme is seeking total health, health in relationships, health, health within my life, within work, romantically, within my body, physically, um, just that whole relationship with self. Yeah, okay, so uh, so previously, you know, so you talked about, you know, growing up and this state of um, not feeling loved, uh, not feeling care, you know, protected, you didn't feel safe. And I, I think that in many ways, that's something that I would say probably more so the unloved side is something that people never let go of. I mean, I, I know that my parents divorced when I was six and it actually, it took until probably about two years ago to realize that some of the effects, like I knew of many of the things, but one of these underlying things was I was constantly fighting to prove myself to everybody when in reality that was birthed out of this need to prove myself to my dad who had left years we have a great relationship now but to prove myself to him after he left and some of that was his expectation and some of that was mine and so i carried it all along and it took tragedy after tragedy in my life and just hard hard season to finally break me to the point where it was like, I've worked through everything. How, like there, there's nothing left for me to work on. And I was in this interesting conversation and somebody said to me, well, how did your dad leaving when you were six have an effect on that? And I'm like, it didn't. And he says, wait a minute, let's talk about this for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy shit. I could not believe, you know, what that did. And I thought in, in the best of ways, I healed that and moved on. So how has that, as that, maybe not how, but as that is carried on for you, how do you constantly, like even till today, like I know, you know, you said you talk about support groups and, but I, I feel like there would always be this kind of fear coupled with this desire in you that is not being fulfilled because of what happened. And so how do you combat that even at a 31 year old, very successful individual uh, that you are? Um, it was, took baby steps. It, I showed up broken and blue and willing to do the work. And it took a lot of work. 
Um, it's not an overnight thing. And that took many forms. It started with seeking help um, through that group, starting to do breath work, which has hmm. completely transformed and changed my life. Um, I'm since have become a teacher um, on the side. That's like my side thing. Um, I've also become a Reiki healer, uh, which I can't even explain what Reiki is, but anyone can do it if you get to. <laughs> it's phenomenal. And I didn't believe in any of these things before moving to LA. So it was really just being open-minded and, you know, open to having conversations and like open to other people's thoughts and what they believe and, you know, just really listening and learning. And other people are, are, are teachers. Everyone in your life is a teacher. Um, and I really... I put a lot of meaning in a lot of things. Sometimes life just happens, but it's such a journey. Like I find lessons in everything. And through breath work, I was able to heal my inner child. And I was able to say like, you did okay, little girl. Like you did great. And I'm the adult and I, I take care of you. I will keep you safe and I will love you. And by saying that I'm talking to myself, like I love myself. I'm, I keep myself safe. And when I remember that, and I am able to stay on top of that because it is the constant reprogramming and reparenting and, and changing the narrative in my, in my mind. When I'm able to do that, I'm able to show up in that way for others in their life. And that is fulfilling to me. I was able to show up for my friends, you know, struggling in the hospital through these, you know, life-threatening situations because I've been the bedside for the people I'd lost when I was younger. And I am a healed whole individual. The learning never stops, but I am able to show up for them in their times of darkness and, you know, walk in it together. Um, and that is really rewarding and fulfilling to me. Yeah, I mean, I, that I think, and, you know, as I alluded to at the very beginning, I mean, it, I think that's where there is so much power that is often uh, underappreciated, looked over, uh, and probably a whole lot of other uh, negative words like that. But, you know, it's, we're always looking for the next thing. Like what's going to take us to the next level? Um, how are we going to grow? How are we going to move forward? And I, by and large, there's nothing wrong with those things, right? Buy the training, take the course, read the book. Like that's all fantastic. But very few people take the time to go back into their lives, understand what is broken, do their best to repair it, redeem it, give grace for the moment that it was, you know, and, and step through it. And so at best, I think what people do is, is they just move past it, like through all of that tragedy that you experience in life. It's like, that's behind me. It's over with, and I and I've moved on, and and I go as far as to say that's a huge mistake because it, you need to not only deal with what happened there, but there's a lot to be learned from and grown from in those moments. And when we just put them behind us, we're throwing away huge opportunities to be the people we are today. And so, by you sharing, you know, again, just those things, like I hope that people are listening to what is available to them. Like there is no bit of brokenness in our life that goes to waste. There is just so much that can be taken from you know the life that we've lived to this point. Absolutely. And I will second all of that and support it with like, there are definitely a ton of books around trauma and how it manifests in your body. And if you don't make time for your health, you may hopefully not be forced to make time for your illness. And people spend more on their car maintenance than they do their health sometimes. And I just like, I can't even fathom that. Yep. Um, and I think that that is something I've learned the hard way through, you know, losing health and coming back to it. Um, so it's definitely something that I value, um, but it's, it's very important. And I'm fortunate like um, that I've been able to go on that journey and I have so many resources in my toolbox now for being successful and you know i definitely work a lot in um the past i'd say i'm a recovering workaholic because <laughs> I, um it's a great it's helped me be successful and i think that that's like the blue collar work ethic of my truck driver dad meets millennial right um so like that constant grind and hustle but a lot of it also came from not doing the work 
and really, you know, just burying myself in work. And I acknowledge that I still do that to this day, but it's in containers because I can't have my whole life be emotional uh, turbulence and I can't have my whole life be work because I'll tell you um, when I went to breath work a few years ago, when I first started, I went there seeking to heal myself because I was really sad and lonely in LA. And then it was also work stress at this private equity firm I was working at. And I forgave myself in the first like three to six months of that. And, and then I was able to break through to this like unfathomable like bliss and just like gratitude. Like I was so grateful at that time, you know, I was making decent money and I was able to support myself in LA and I was making more than my parents combined, those types of things where it's like, wow, like, okay, I've done well, I don't have anything to prove, you know? And I've always been on my own, but for the first time I was like owning it. <laughs> like it wasn't because I was forced out. It wasn't because no one had my back. It was because I had my own back. Mm. And little did I know that would come up in my life in a huge way because within a few weeks of having that kind of epiphany, I was sexually harassed at work. Hmm. And that goes back to being the, like the pretty girl and how you present yourself. And in that workplace, it was Beverly Hills, private equity, you know, women were wearing dresses and red bottoms and actively talking about finding sugar daddies when you go to lunch. And I'd be like, nope, I'm gonna wear my Toms, thanks. <laughs> like, of course, on some meetings I had to suit up um, to command that authority because it was very much, you know, uh, a man's world and a, a financial, you know, district. You have to play the part and walk the walk sometimes. But in that, I was also a part of a lot of conversations I probably shouldn't have been a part of. It wasn't true to me authentically and my identity and my past um, you know, being a community college student and, you know, growing up in a trailer park or apartment buildings and foster care and SWAT raids. And like these people, like they had sugar-coated lives. Um, and I know that because I spoke to them, but it really, you know, that experience was interesting because when I was sexually harassed, I bet on myself and I had this huge thing of like, oh my goodness, what did I do to make this man come on to me or think that I was interested? And he had been kind of flirty with one of the other girls and I had brought it to someone else's awareness. And they're like, no, he wouldn't do that. Like he, he knows better. And, you know, he, he's, he was like twice my age. He's like, you know, he, he's respected, well, well-respected man in his role and he's global head of HR and this and that. And I was just like, no, he's But he was that. the head of HR? Yeah. And he oh was, you know, he'd been there for three months and he wasn't committing insurance fraud. Okay. So he had dependents and other things on his benefits that should not have been there. They were not married. They were not dependents. Um, and they brushed it off. And that told me that they didn't respect me and my competence in my role. And that there was no real process for handling that situation. So when this happened, I went to my mentor and I was like, I'm so embarrassed. Like, I can't believe I got in this situation. And she goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is your chance to be your own authority that you are, to have a voice to, you know, people abusing their power and their position, like your DARE officer, like your martial arts instructor who tried to force their way in your house when you're in seventh grade. Like, these are things that are not okay. And also like find that fire in yourself. Like you're not just speaking for yourself. What about the women who came before you? What about your generational trauma? What about your mother and your sisters and all of these other people who've been assaulted or wronged in these situations? And I was like, you know what, you're right. So we went through everything that was wrong with that situation. And I rehearsed it in like 12 hours. I suited up professional conservative dressing. And I went into that private equity office in a glass conference room and I brought the heat and I didn't burn the place down, but I told him <laughs> everything that was wrong with that as a woman, like, I thought you respected me for my competency, my role. I can be nothing but professional with you. You know, this is how you have crossed the line with these other women. I expect you not to do that. Um, you know, I put in a, two, I didn't put in my two weeks notice. I put myself on sick leave because it's protective leave. 
and I needed to find my next step. And I had no money whatsoever. And I took a loan out on my car to float myself, but I knew that I would land on my feet. You know, if I, and he, you know, there was some retaliation talk and, and threatening going on. And I was like, you know what, if I, forgive me, if I wanted to be on my knees to get ahead, I would have done it a long time ago. Yeah. You know, that's something that you face early on being a woman and, and being in the workforce. And, you know, I know that I don't want to speak down on anyone's journey by any means, but too often we're giving up our power or we brush it off or we explain it away. And that's really a boundary that you can't afford for people to cross. Yeah. And learning how to command that and, and live to that authentically and be my adult self and bring that to the table every day. You never know what challenges are going to come your way and how you carry yourself. And I don't think how you dress or wear makeup brings that on you. Like that is victim blaming. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying you can do that no matter how you dress, how you carry yourself and living your life um, at every stage and just bring your whole self to the table. And you don't know when your whole self is going to be needed. And that's the importance of grooming yourself and managing yourself and taking care of yourself every day in all the ways that you can. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, as often as, you know, it's important for us to carry ourselves well, as we talked about previous to this part of the conversation. Yeah, I think the more telling thing is there's just assholes everywhere. And, you know, and it is disgusting. And it is so unfortunate that this happens. And yet at the same time, I'm thankful to hear a reasonably positive and successful story coming out the other side. You know, you're still going to bear the, uh, the scar of it happening, but you know, you, you know, thank God we're able to, to have good support, to have somebody that was there. I think that that's something that I heard that was so important. You know, a lot of times as much as uh, these issues, particularly this one are talked about more and more often, I think that people still compartmentalize it so much, especially, and again, like I'm trying to speak so carefully here because I, you know, this is not me, but like, you know, when an attractive woman that also carries themselves well gets put into this position, you know, I, I've heard all too often that they first kind of feel like, well, maybe I did something because, you know, I look a certain way or I am a certain way. And it's like, good Lord, like, you know, if, if, if that's the case, then everybody is doomed for, for one good thing or another that they live. And so, Again, I'm just I'm happy to hear that you know it, it, it. You had somebody there to support you, to kind of write you as you you know you you stepped out, you know your initial reaction, and then obviously all of the work that you did. Again, all of that healing, you know, as a young child and growing up and striving to be you and to heal you got you to this place where when again this this happened you were able to fight it off in you know a, a very professional you know well-charactered way i mean i think that there's just a lot to be said about that thank you um and it really does tie back to you know doing that healing that was my greatest accomplishment to date to be able to speak mm -hmm. to him with authority and command that and to, you know, speak confidently and also not dissociate. So had I not had that experience of firing people and dissociating, had I not addressed that, it's likely who's to say like that, you know, when he first touched me, maybe I just would have gone numb. Maybe my reputation would have been on the line. Maybe he would have taken advantage of me instead of just, you know, brushing by and saying a few things. And that is really why that is a great accomplishment in my life. It is one of the, honestly, one of the greatest because it exemplifies all of the work that came up to that point. Mm. And, and also, you know, with him threatening me and a little bit of PTSD and things like that, like, it was really like, oh goodness, like I need to protect myself more, but also just to, to really make it real for people of like not feeling safe. Like I was 
I wasn't 30 yet, but I was like 28, I think. And I was wetting the bed. Okay. So like that is like at night, like that, that fear response. Hmm. And that's a very vulnerable thing to share with an audience, but that is what happens. That's what people go through when their basic security and needs are not being met. And those are very real things about bringing your adult self to the table every day. So to round that story out, it turned out, we found out a few weeks later that that man was a con artist. So then, you know, I told the company I was actually out because of him. Um, it's not because I'm sick. Um, and I went through an investigation with them and it was their job. I became a threat to the company because this situation had happened. That's what happens to victims of this you know, often, which is why it's so important for HR departments and other companies to use a third party unbiased um, party to do the investigations and to help navigate these waters. It's really critical um, because of that dynamic. And then the loss of trust for me to do my job, considering I had that threat to the company. Um, through those conversations, they did a great job documenting things. I don't think the company meant to hurt me by any means. They're not responsible for this con artist. He, you know, he did all the background checks and embedded all these things. He's the one that did all of that. Um, and, you know, the FBI has been following him. It was really big, you know, a big thing. And through that, you know, they said like, oh, your credibility is questionable. And, you know, we need this, we need that. I need the text messages from the other girls and and girls, the other women in HR, like, and I said, no, like you can question my authority all you'd like. I know the truth. And with privacy, I'm not going to give you my text messages because, you know, those are very private things with those, those individuals. And those are personal text messages. They're not work related text messages. No. And that was a whole other thing of like holding your authority with authority when they're questioning you, you're like, yeah. It's okay. Like you can question me all you want. I'm all right with that. Um, and also, you know, digging into my past, get, getting private investigators on me and my family and, you know, the felonies and, and, and drug dealing and all of these things. I'm like, the cards are on the table. Yeah. My whole self is here and I'm okay with it. You can't use that against me. You can try, but good luck. Yeah. Um, and it really goes back to accepting yourself and forgiving yourself. And also like, I have great relationship with my parents. Um, I love them and I've forgiven them. I accept them for who they are and where they're at. Everyone has different journeys. Um, we definitely have loving relationships now. Um, and I just see their addiction as something like they couldn't love their self, themselves at that time. Um, and it's really nice to see them where they are now. Yeah, that's no, pretty, that's pretty amazing. I mean, gosh, there's just so much good in there that, that I heard. I mean, I, I, th I think that one of the really important things, I, I don't want to say nothing else was, but one thing that I heard that was so important in there, which this is one of the reasons that I preach the type of authenticity that I do is I say to people all the time, I'm an open book with many torn pages. Like I talk about the struggles of my marriage and my upbringing and uh, illegal activity and throwing away money and gambling. And it's not because I'm trying to like tout like you know, I was a badass or I was an idiot and now look who I am today. But I want people to see that like, this is just my life and it has shaped me to be who I am. And like you said, and, and this is what really stood out to me was when your back was in like almost the, probably one of the worst corners it's ever been into and people were still willing to use your past against you, you were able to just say like, it's it's here like I, i'm not like I, i'm not proud of you know of the bad things in my past i'm sure you're not proud of the bad things in your past but they are what they are and once we resolve them to be that way nobody can use those things against us and as a matter of fact i believe that those things actually empower us then to lean harder into who we are so then you can stand there in front of that person and you can say I am accomplished. I carried myself well. I know where the line is and I am not, I am not 
vying from one side to the other. So I just think that that's so freaking amazing that you were able to do that because again, not many people do. Exactly. And that's why it's my greatest accomplishment of like, you know, this is who I am and I'm proud of that. And going through those things and seeing those things and having all the lives I've had and learning from my parents, that really solidified who I am. And also that I carry myself with integrity. Um, you know, it's very innately within me of like right and wrong for the most part. Life has gray areas, but when it can't, when it comes to things like that, it's very straight for me. Um, and that's, I was exposed to a lot of things very young, a lot of questionable things. I told my mother and, you know, my relatives like, this is, I don't want to live like this. This isn't the life for me. How we live is wrong for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really think that that's how I got where I am. I knew yeah. that from a very young age. That's freaking amazing. That's just amazing. Okay. So I, I, I want to, I, I think that I could probably continue to dig deeper and deeper and deeper, but I do want to turn a corner uh, because again, I, I don't just want to sit in what obviously so many people are hearing and probably stirring up their own struggles and past, which is great in the sense that like they need to work through those things too. Um, but uh, one thing that really stands out to me about you, uh, in addition to from the second that we got on the phone the first time, your energy is just so amazing, is just this huge smile that you have on your face in your LinkedIn profile picture. But then right now, like if you're watching on video and you're watching her, like your smile is just like it's there and it is so like just catchy, which means you have so much joy inside of yourself. So as you think to like, right now in this moment. And this is on the tail end of, at least at this point in your life, hopefully many, many more years and seasons to go. But in 31 years, you have accomplished so much, not just overcoming all of the things that you have personally, but you've been a part of some extremely successful organizations, leading HR charges, which when companies are, are successful, when they're growing, when there's eyes on them, that role is significantly harder. And I know I spend a lot of time just in that space in general, a lot of my audience is in the benefit space, which deals with HR. So, I mean, you have done such an amazing job. I mean, you took a loan out on your car and here you are still surviving in LA today, which is like, in, we're in the middle of like the most brutal season of our lives that we've lived so far financially. And yet here you are. And so what is it today, JC, that like, that, that brings that smile out every single day? Like, how do you how do you carry that? How do you just hold on to that? Because life still isn't easy, but you seem to just smile right through it in a way. Yeah, um, I think it just comes from all those days where I didn't smile, honestly. Um, I lost a lot of people. I, you know, there was this moment in my life where I was like, I'm not living life. Um, and I do a lot of fun things. I think, you know, some people say I'm like, oh, you're a professional badass because we're talking about all the woo woo stuff and like <laughs> grounded and like accomplished and happy. But I, you know, I take time to have fun um, and be playful. And really, I think through that, I realized like we, we choose our experience. And I remember a few weeks ago, I had, um, you know, someone that I really like who, you know, we've been kind of dating ish for like, I mean, ish for seven <laughs> months. Like, no commitment. And I'm just, he like canceled on me for like the millionth time. And I'm like, I, that day I had a flat tire oh. and I changed it myself in Venice beach in a back alley. <laughs> like, and that took a lot of pride. I love, I love that. I know how to do that because my dad. And, um, you know, I rolled up my sleeves. I changed this tire. It was faster than AAA. It took me 30 minutes. And I drive home. I get showered. I get ready. And I'm excited. And he, he cancels last minute. Uh. And I was so pissed and sad. And I was like, you know what? I laid down on my yoga mat and I, I started breathing. And you can look on my Instagram in the highlights. I literally was like, choose a greater experience. And I laid down and I did breath work and there are many different breathing techniques you can do. Um, there's all kinds of tricks up my sleeve for that. My friend, um, Adriana Perez, 
he um, is a, a breath coach and he literally shows me all the time, like different ways to kind of come back into my heart space, how to get rid of congestion, um, how to be more alert, those types of things. And he's wonderful. And his Instagrams show up or shut up. I don't know if we're doing plugs here, but I'll just throw that out there. You can do whatever you want. It's all, he, this is you, this is you right now. He's been a great asset in my life and a very dear friend of mine. Um, and we've been on this journey together um, as friends for a long time. So breathing is amazing and it's really changed the chemistry and like how I wake up as a person every day. Um, alongside of that, working out. Um, working out is so important. Moving, what you eat, what you're putting in your body. And then also, you know, really putting in the effort. This goes back to, you know, that um, investigation of the private equity firm. I went and got a support system. I showed up at church on a Wednesday night. I didn't know anyone. It's a law of attraction church. Um, it's the North Hollywood Church of Religious Science. It's basically like all paths to God are good. Um, Ernest Holmes type of um, deal. And these old women, a group of, you know, five to 10, they had this new caring circle that was birthing. And I went to that caring circle for two years and they became my support system in LA. And wow. it took a lot of nurturing and they mean a lot to me even now. And you know, doing that, having work, but having things outside of work so that when work wasn't going well, the rest of my life still could balance it out. Yeah. And then honestly, in order to be really rooted and grounded, practicing affirmations, you know, really telling safe, myself, I am safe, I'm lovable, you know, I am acknowledged, I'm validated, you know, I'm the adult, really going into those, anything, you know, the, all of those vulnerabilities. I, I couldn't say that to myself without crying before. Hmm. And, and it's something that's just a part of my fabric now. Yeah. I know my worth. I know I, I'm deserving. And when relationships um, and friendships and family show up in my life where I'm not getting that from them, it's like, I forgive you for not being able to love me the way I want or need to be loved. Hmm. And then That's taking good. it a step further, I love myself the way I need to be. I give myself those things. Anything that I'm not getting in my life becomes an affirmation. <laughs> <laughs> and... I I think that's, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I think that's extremely important too. You know, when we talk about self-care, um, uh, people are always afraid to invest into themselves first because they have this feeling that it's selfish. And I mean, there's definitely selfish people out there that do nothing but think about and pour into themselves and they're just a whole nother breed. But for most people, especially those that have this, um, uh, um, uh, these characteristics of like empathy and compassion built into them and they're pouring into other people. If you're not careful, you just empty yourself. And so by continuing to, to pour into yourself, by showing up for yourself first, not only is that, I mean, obviously that's ultimately help, helpful for yourself, but it benefits everybody else around you so much more. And I just don't think that people really see that. They say that, I just don't think they really see that because their actions don't show it. I would agree with you. And, you know, it's been really a journey to be like, I love myself. Like I'm badass. I like owning, like, yeah, I'm accomplished. Yeah. I do this. Like, and, and kind of being that hype person for yourself. Like, I'm still uncomfortable with that. Like I'm still getting used <laughs> to that. And like, okay, like that really happened. Like, oh, that's how you described me. Like, whew. Yeah. I guess that is me. Like that's, that's the truth. Yeah. Um, and really like, wow, that's how people see me or receive me. Like that's a huge compliment and just really seeing myself that way too. Um, and if they say anything negative, do not see yourself that way. Be like, er. yeah. <laughs> but um, also gratitude. Like it, it all started with gratitude. All, all of those affirmations and everything started with me being like overwhelmingly grateful. Like I was literally crying, driving to work every day because my quality of life had changed so much and the quality of relationships and the authentic kind people 
that I have in my life now in both the workplace and in home and just all around and also who I am as an individual. And I'm so happy that I feel safe emotionally and physically to bring all of that to the table. It's not the old me and the new me, it's all of me. Mm, that's good. Ooh, that's good. If you're taking notes, that was the note to take right there. Um, okay, I, I, I think we're gonna land there because I think that that was a really good spot to stop. Um, well, you don't need to hear this from me, um, but you are an amazing individual. And, and, and the reason that I say that is because again, like I'm just one of the, you know, billion people out there or whatever, but um, in the short time that we chatted before we recorded, in the time recording today, what I respect, admire, and appreciate so much about you is that it is apparent from, this is why I like doing interview via video or in person is your eyes, your mouth, like you are 100% who you say you are. Every word that comes out of your mouth is just so legitimately genuine. And even in the midst of, you know, scratching the surface of so many heavy things that you've experienced in your life, seeing that ultimately those things through the growth you've had are producing joy. Like those are the people that I love more than anything. And so I just, I, I think you are an amazing individual and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you taking time to come on, share time with me. I don't care if anybody else listens to this though. I hope they do. Like, I just feel like I grew and benefited so much. So JC, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Um, and I'll end even further with one of my favorite sayings. I'm not sure where it comes from, but all I ask of you is to forever remember me as loving you. Hmm. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Okay. And if people, let's say somebody just wants to know more, wants to learn more, wants to connect with you, do you have a, a means by which you're good with people doing that? Yeah. Um, I have LinkedIn, which is j.c. So literally the act like JC. And then I have an Instagram called Life Brightens. It is not an influencer page by any means. It's completely like no frills. I haven't touched it in ages, but you know, this will revamp that. And that's definitely a way to direct message me or um, carry conversations. Cool. So I'll make sure to link those both, both of those things in the show notes. I don't remember already. I have such a bad memory who connected us on LinkedIn. Do you remember who that was? Of course, it was Matt Watson. I love Matt. Oh, um, Matt, that's right. <laughs> All right, yeah, Matt and I have an interesting history together, so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to send him something nice for this introduction. Um, so, Matt, if you're listening, thank you, appreciate you, buddy. Um, JC, again, thank you so much. I just really appreciate the time. Uh, make sure that we'll stay connected. Anything that I can ever do for you, please let me know. I I, I would love to just contribute to this ridiculously amazing your life that you're living with so much more to go. So thank you. I look forward to continued conversations. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks. Oh, and by the way, I should say at the end, I hope you don't ever answer the phone if that guy calls you again. Like that was the <laughs> end right there. That's how I'm ending. Because you know, at the beginning, when we said that you were gonna cuss a lot, you didn't end up cussing a lot. And so I was gonna try and make a remark towards that at the very end. But now I'm just gonna say like the final thing is, you should never answer that call again. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he was texting me before this. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Well, on that note, guys, wraps up another episode of Authentic Conversations. As always, feedback is appreciated. Anything that you think, question you have to ask, reach out to JC. We'll make sure to put her contact information in the show notes. You know where to find me. And as I always say, or as often as I possibly can, be you, be happy, be authentic. Take care. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Authentic Conversations with Ryan James Miller. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and share it with others. To connect with Ryan and learn more, visit ryanjamesmiller.com.